you are a community when you take public transit. When you're on a bus with other people, that's a bus community. When you're in a subway car, that's a community too. And so look out for each other. I've been on a car where someone's passed out before. I look around, someone helps out. And, you know, we need more of that. This is the Visible Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Risa Lewis. Before we get started, here's a word about the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Hi, my name is Amy, and I am the co-host and co-founder of the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion related to health and healthcare. On our podcast, we shy away from nothing, discussing hot topics in healthcare such as mental health, social justice, health equity, women's rights, and women's health, and nursing as a profession. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining. And today we're speaking about railroads, railways, and with one of the most influential people in rail. Leslie Richards is the general manager and chief executive officer of SEPTA. You may know SEPTA is the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. It's the fifth, yes, the fifth largest public transportation agency in the United States. Before joining SEPTA, Leslie served as the first woman secretary of PennDOT. PennDOT is Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. She's an advocate for women and diversity in transportation. She's been recognized for her leadership in the industry and her commitment to public service. Leslie earned a bachelor's from Brown University in economics and urban studies. She then continued for graduate work in regional planning at the University of Pennsylvania. Let's get to the conversation where Leslie and I are talking about Leslie transportation, and SEPTA. I am so excited to be sitting across the table from one of the most influential people in rail. Leslie, for our audience, what does that mean to you? It means I connect people with each other. I connect people to opportunities. I make sure that their day is as less stressful as possible, uh, making sure they can do everything from getting to their jobs, provide for their families, get to their groceries, get to their medical needs, take care of their families. Um, and I love it, being the CEO and general manager of SEPTA, which is the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, the fifth largest transit agency in the country. So when I was doing my background and research on you and on your role, created in 1964, at one point SEPTA was the sixth largest, but we've become the fifth largest? It's in size. So we used to be measured by our ridership, but since the pandemic, uh, measuring by ridership isn't always so accurate anymore. And so uh, very comfortable saying we're the fifth largest when we look at our infrastructure, which includes uh, regional rail, subways, trolleys, buses, um, trackless trolleys, uh, which are buses that are connected by electric wires uh, to their routes. And uh, we also have a high-speed line. And here you are committed to the transportation community in many, many ways. So I would like to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the initiatives that SEPTA, under your leadership, is pursuing. And art in public spaces. Something I'm very passionate about. Um, First of all, I'm in awe of anyone who's creative because I have always been on the math science side of things and I would say on the non-creative side of math and science. Um, And so I'm just, I love people who can write well, who can express themselves well, who can create um, in all different mediums. And so here I am lucky enough uh, to have had jobs and to, to be responsible 
Um, and I give credit to Jane Golden, who runs our mural arts program here in Philadelphia. She's always saying, I'm a wall hunter. I need walls. And I've been very fortunate to have walls. So whether it was bridges or trusses that were at PennDOT or whether it is stations and concourses um, and infrastructure here at SEPTA, there's lots of walls and they can all be beautified by art. And so we are just um, thrilled. We're thrilled uh, through federal programs to have a little money on, on federally funded programs for art. Uh, to bring in the art. Uh, we've done reading programs so that families who are running our system can enjoy learning and reading together. Uh, and we've done murals that um, connect us to our history. And sometimes it's untold history. We've been able to rename stations. We've been able to highlight um, African-American Philadelphians um, and, and in Montgomery County. Uh, very, very important uh, gentleman, Charles Bloxon. Uh, who created the African Studies departments in many of our local universities. And at his local train station, we are able to put up historic panels about his life. So everyone who uses our, our system and goes through that station can learn as well. And it's just a wonderful interactive experience. Yeah. SEPTA Forward. Our five-year strategic plan that we passed during a pandemic. Um, so proud of that plan because it really helps guide every single thing that we do. Uh, we want to make our system easier to use. We want to make people feel comfortable while they're using it. And we want to be proactive to where the needs are. Where do people need to go? How can we best service them? And that's the system we want to be. And it's the system that the Philadelphia region deserves. And uh, so we're really happy to tie everything that we do to it. And now we're looking at how people are using our system differently. And since the pandemic, while it was moving in this direction before, it has definitely accelerated going from peak service during um, what we would call a typical work week to a lifestyle network where weekend service is really important and early morning and later in the day and how people go out to restaurants and visit their children and come into the to areas um, to the weekend to see a sporting event, uh, to visit a museum, uh, to visit friends, and uh, we want to be that system that's available seven days a week. I shared with you that where I live in Northern Liberties, I can take the MFL line to work or to the train station. And when I'm working at the community hospital, I always know when there's a sports game because I see riders going back and forth to the stadium on the Broad Street line. Absolutely. Uh, we love that we can service uh, so many sporting events here. And uh, people feel comfortable. We run special express trains. And we want to make it easy for people. Go in, enjoy the game, have a bite to eat, enjoy the city, and then get back to where you need to go. Yeah, I really like the focus you've placed on CX, the customer experience. And restaurants was an example, sports was an example. I want to bring up some of the not pretty necessarily are pleasant parts of the public transportation system, such as infestations, houseless community, uh, opioid-dependent community. Look, we want to be accessible to everyone. And that means people who are addicted to drugs, people who are experiencing homelessness, uh, people who are, you know, experiencing difficult challenges in their life. We want to make that easier for them. And wherever they need to go, we want to make sure that they can access us. 
Um, if they need a wheelchair to get around, if they need a cane, or if they can't see well, if they can't hear well, sometimes we're their only option. And so to be accessible to everyone means you're accessible to everyone. Yeah. Are there preventive measures or treatment implementation programs, or how are you trying to serve the community to help them? Sure. Um, I'm a big believer in dealing with these larger issues, and they are larger issues, much larger than a transit issue, right? We have a serious public health issue right now, and that includes um, the opioid epidemic, includes gun violence issues, um, and includes just behavioral issues that we're seeing and the trauma people are experiencing from the pandemic or maybe in addition to the pandemic. And uh, so we want to be partners in working with these larger issues. Uh, We want to be helpful, but we know that a transit agency can't solve these issues. But we can, you know, partner with uh, social service um, experts, right? And uh, so I'm very proud of our SCOPE program, which is a national award-winning program where we have combined some of our security and law enforcement employees with experts in drug addiction, experts in mental health issues, experts in people experiencing homelessness. And we send teams out because we know not every challenge has a law enforcement response or needs one, right? We want the appropriate response to the appropriate issue. And we want to help people. That's basically at the heart of everything we do. And so if someone's having, um, you know, a bad experience and uh, needs some help, we want to make sure that we offer it to them. And so uh, we have teams that go out. We know that every single interaction, every single engagement can be the one that changes someone's mind to be open to accepting treatment, to accepting shelter, to accepting the services that are provided around them. And we never know when that's going to be. So we team up with a variety of community partners. One of my favorites are local universities that we have teamed up with. Uh, For instance, at Drexel University, the first-year medical students there, they get credit for their first-year practicum, and they come out uh, with our teams. And they talk to those who are on our system um, and maybe ask them about a wound that's not healing or uh, an ankle that looks swollen. And they can offer some immediate relief and also start to build trust. And so we hope that that'll be a first interaction and then maybe it requires a second, a third, maybe a dozen before that individual will then be trusting enough or feel confident enough to say, you know, I I will take that shelter um, temporarily and look at the services that are provided. And maybe that leads to more, um, you know, another type of um, shelter experience and which could lead to, you know, stable housing environment. And then hopefully they could be on their way um, to providing uh, for themselves and and, and getting on to um, some more um, stability around their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was really excited to read about the Zero Eyes program, uh, which is, and I'll read from the publication, um, excited to partner with Zero Eyes on using artificial intelligence to add another layer of security to Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. We're really excited. First of all, I love technology, and I love using emerging technology. So artificial intelligence, this is a local firm as well, Um, several former Navy SEALs got together 
and knew that if they could use AI technology in identifying when someone is carrying a gun, could they make people feel safer and could they proactively prevent a shooting? And so it is already being used at many school districts around the country. It's already being used at many private businesses, but it wasn't being used in any transit agencies. And look, we need all the help we can get. So we're going out with a pilot program. We will evaluate in six months' time to see if it's helpful. But the data does show that if you can identify somebody with a gun, um, when you look at some of the mass shootings that we've seen in the, in the U.S., the person with the gun is seen sometimes several minutes before a shot goes off. So imagine if you had that time and you could get the appropriate law enforcement response and, and take care of the situation before a shot is fired, um, we could save lives. And so we're going to try it. You've outlined a lot of the proactive programs, treatment programs that you, SEPTA, are doing. Um, and I shared with you, you know, I've experienced public transportation in Paris, in London, in Boston, in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is extreme compared to these. In terms of the spectrum, you know, in, you see, um, I see rats in the, in the garbage. <laughs> I, a houselessness. I told you I resuscitated someone on the train who had an overdose and I had Narcan in my bag. And how, how do you respond? What do you think of Philly and Philly's transportation as compared to other cities? Why does it seem more extreme? I think we're experiencing a lot of the things that the other cities are experiencing as well. Of course, we're experiencing it every day. So I feel in, in some sense, it feels extreme to us because it's a daily occurrence. Um, but I talked to my colleagues uh, who operate the transit systems in San Francisco and LA and Chicago and Boston and DC. They're probably the ones I speak to most. We have a lot in common. We're all experiencing the same things. Now it's true um, that the gun violence issue in Philadelphia is worse than in any of those cities that I just mentioned right now. Uh, the opioid uh, epidemic uh, in areas where we serve, the Kensington area and other neighborhoods, is worse than in, than in some of the areas. Um, believe it or not, the homelessness issue is worse in some of those other cities than here. But of course, when you're experiencing here, it feels very intense and it's definitely a problem. Um, so it's hard to compare, but it is very intense here. And, you know, just trying to figure out, and in this position, working with so many other organizations uh, that all want to work on the same problem um, in Philadelphia has been a really rewarding part of this job that I did not anticipate. And so working with the business community, working with the elected officials, working with the so social service providers, um, working with the nonprofits, working with the foundations, everyone who wants to get on board and help. Um, in Philadelphia, a big issue is helping people get out of poverty. Philadelphia is often described as the largest, poorest city in the country, something I wasn't aware of until I took this job. But we have the highest percentage of population living you know, below the poverty line. And beyond that, a friend of mine told me recently, a larger percentage of the population living in deep poverty. 
um, maybe, maybe the highest in all of the country, if not one of the highest. And so getting people out of poverty means so much. And getting people access to opportunities means so much here. And so all of our employees want to help each other. They want to connect with other people. And so working in transit, you have a, a variety of ways to do that. And so, so many of our employees and our senior team, you know, really take that to heart. And we want to help in any way we can. Action speak. And you used to live uh, in the suburbs or in an area where you would drive, but you intentionally moved into the city so that you would be a public transportation user. I did. I happen to love Philadelphia. I love Montgomery County, too. They elected me to office. I got to serve um, that community. So, so grateful for that experience as well. I uh, lived there over 25 years. Uh, but met my husband in Philadelphia, went to school in Philadelphia, visited growing up here, visited Philadelphia. And um, I do just love the city. Part of why I love the city is the transit system. So it all came together for me. Uh, when I uh, got this job, also when our youngest went to college, uh, my husband and I had promised each other that we would move back to the city, and uh, we did. And so uh, we're loving life. Uh, we're living in an apartment, and we're using transit to get around. I'm not sure if all listeners are aware of the robust transportation network in Philly. Uh, again, some of the cities I mentioned, I'll just use New York, people are like, oh yeah, the subway. We know about it. But I went to med school in West Philly. So I really wasn't aware of the extent of the public transportation system availability in Philadelphia until I returned second time around. And like I said, living in Northern Liberties. And part of it is Philadelphia is still very much a suburb city. People drive in and out to the suburbs. And so 20, 25 years later, it still only takes 20 minutes to get to the airport. You can still easily access the train system. So is Philadelphia unique as a city in the United States? We are because um, our transit system was developed before cars were used. So Philadelphia being one of the older cities um, in the country, uh, a lot of our, the widths of our roadways are built around a horse and carriage, not around a vehicle. Uh, it also makes it challenging to get a trolley down the street, get a bus down the street, you know, figure out how to turn and, and, and where to go. And so it's because of that early start and it's because of the infrastructure that we have here. It does make it, you know, very easy to get around. One thing that we're working on, and we had mentioned other um, cities uh, and international cities, is looked at how people get around and how comfortable do they feel getting around. And it's not so easy if you're not from Philadelphia to use SEPTA. So we took a look at Paris and London and New York, and we saw how they used letters and numbers and colors, uh, how people who maybe don't speak English first or who are visiting. And we have a lot of visitors. Tourism is a big industry here. People want to see the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall and visit the Museum of Art and all the other wonderful cultural institutions that we have here. So we want to make it easy when they come to not automatically think they either have to jump in an Uber or Lyft or they have to bring their cars, that they can use our system. So we're doing a whole new wayfinding and branding and signage. Uh, it's going to be um, implemented this year, and people are going to start to see those changes. But we want people to feel like they can access us and how frequently they can and where they can go so that it's a natural option for them. If people see something 
in New York City, they say, say something. Um, people that are like, well, you know, I've ridden the subway and it's filthy, or I see this, or I've seen that, or and what would you advise people to do if they witness something that feels unsafe or needs attention in the SEPTA system? Sure. We have a SEPTA app, the SEPTA Transit Watch app. And I recommend everybody download it on their phones. It's free. And there you can report anything that makes you feel unsafe or maybe question or anything you might have a concern about, something that doesn't look right. You can report anything from a leak you might see, from um, you know someone sleeping on our system, uh, maybe you see some needles, maybe you see a station that could use a cleaning. Uh, anything that you see um, that we should fix, you report through this app, and you can do it confidentially. Uh, confidentially. So say you see some people who are behaving in a way, you don't have to draw attention to yourself. They don't even know that you're reporting it. We have our own police um, department here, but they can only be so many places. And so this watch app really helps direct our deployments and where we send people. They can look at something and say, okay, that needs to be addressed, but no one is in danger, so we can take care of something else first, or we can do something else first and then go there. Or they can say, hey, this really might be something that needs our attention right away. And it helps us keep everyone safe on the system. And so, I'm a big believer that everybody needs to look out at all times, and we need to help each other. You know, just the other day, um, someone who works on the same floor that I work on in, in, in our office building here was going to catch their train, and they saw someone stumbling on their way over to enter the station. And she ended up falling and splitting her head on the sidewalk. Um, we're not really sure why but bleeding profusely, and she went over to help her. And then someone else came over to help her, which she expressed to me made her feel better that someone else was also helping. They got the woman to the medical help. They called 911 together, and we need more of that. I think during the pandemic, we got used to seeing some people who were you know, experiencing trauma and experiencing hard times. We didn't know how to handle it. And we can't just walk by. You know, if there's something that we can do, we need more people taking action. And so this app allows people to do it in a safe way, but also just looking out for each other. You are a community when you take public transit. When you're on a bus with other people, that's a bus community. When you're in a subway car, that's a community too. And so look out for each other. I've been on a car where someone's passed out before. I look around, someone helps out. And, you know, we need more of that. I like that. Funding. How is SEPTA funded? You know, all these great initiatives of the recoloring, the rebranding. Who pays for this? So um, I quickly learned if you've seen one transit agency, you've seen one transit agency because we are all funded differently. We are all governed differently. Some of us have public boards. Some of us have um, elected boards and appointed boards. Some of them are a mix. Some don't have boards at all and report directly to their governor or to the secretary of transportation. Everyone is different. Um, here at SEPTA, uh, we get funding from the federal government, from the state government, and from local 
government. The majority comes from the state, uh, over half of our operating funds, and up until last year, over half of our capital funds. But what we were able to do last year without getting too much into the weeds is we were able to change the pot of money that came to us from the state, and it allowed us to borrow on it. So for the first time ever, we have a capital um, budget that is over a billion dollars, which is very exciting for us. So the money that is coming to us from the state is no longer coming to us from a pot that was already borrowed on. It wasn't debt that was coming to us, but it's actually money coming from the vehicle sales tax, which we can borrow on. And so we were able to expand that number from the 600 millions to a billion. And it's a huge difference. And just to let your listeners know, um, other agencies such as Chicago, Boston, D.C., their capital budgets are well over $2 billion. So we're really behind here the way that we've invested. And it is an investment. It's not a cost to this infrastructure. It's an investment. And we've underinvested. And so we are trying to get the locals uh, to contribute a bit more so that we can compete on the federal level for competitive grants. And that's something we've never been able to do as well as um, the cities that we compete with because they have more of a local match and they're able to leverage more federal money. So that's what I'm hoping our future brings for us here at SEPTA. Good stuff. I ask my guests, and I'm asking you now, Leslie, when did you first realize you had a voice and when did you start using that voice? I think when I was a local elected official. Um, So... Uh, back in 2007, all of a sudden I realized that I could make decisions that impact the lives of not just my family, but my neighbors and my community, and that all I needed to do was be a caring individual. It didn't matter what words I used. It didn't matter how, if I was an expert, if I had a degree in this, if this is something I studied. All I needed to do was care. And once I realized that, it was really freeing. And I realized what I had to say could contribute uh, to how decisions were made. And I realized that my view was my view, and, and I should share it. I also realized early on in local politics that there weren't many women. There weren't many people at that decision table that had been a mother, had been a sister, had been a daughter. Um, had um, experienced certain things that I had experienced. And so I always tell, you know, younger people when they say, how can I make a difference? Speak up and listen. And I think it's really important. We all have important things um, to say, and, and we all should listen to others as well. The Risa Wrap-Up. Well, first, let me share my thanks to Leslie and her team. Thanks for making this conversation happen. Leslie and I actually recorded at SEPTA headquarters. And for those of you that may be familiar with the coordinates of SEPTA, it's at 12th and Market in downtown Philadelphia. Three things I learned. First of all, the SEPTA app. Download that app for safety, for reporting, and for maybe giving a compliment. Next, I loved Leslie's description of community. When I'm on the bus, I do feel like I'm in community. When I'm on a subway car... I feel like I'm in community, and I really like the way she framed that. Finally, leadership. When I think of good leadership, ideal leadership, I think of communication, transparency, authenticity, down-to-earthness. 
And that's what Leslie emulates. That's what she has going on. And that's exactly why she's a visible voice. That's it for this week, audience. See you next time. The Visible Voices podcast amplifies voices both known and unknown, discussing topics of healthcare, equity, and current trends. Our production team includes Stacey Gitlin, Dr. Giuliano DePorto, and me, Dr. Risa E. Lewis. Please find me on social media at Risa E. Lewis and through the website, thevisiblevoicespodcast.com. If you like the podcast, please rate and review us. Share the podcast with a friend today. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, to be continued.